I just want to talk for a couple of minutes today about uh, having a relationship with Yeshua where, where we hear His voice. Um, I was sitting with Him a couple days ago and asking Him, okay, you know, we, we did those talks on telling the stories from your word. Uh, what do you... What do you wanna what do you wanna talk about now? And I, I really felt him saying, like, just talk about hearing my voice. So just gonna look at some scriptures relating to that, relating to that kind of relationship with him. And uh and uh I, I really believe that as we do that, he's gonna show us some things, he's gonna speak to our hearts, and, and I wanna hear what he's telling you on this on this subject as as we look at that together. And uh along the way as we look at a couple of scriptures about hearing Yeshua's voice and having that relationship with him, not only as individuals, but as a community. Um, I'll, I'll try and give you, like, kind of make it something of a Torah talk where I can share with you some things from a Jewish perspective and we can, uh, we can understand some of the Hebrew, the Hebrew words and also the Hebraic concepts underlying them. So I, uh, I, ho- I hope this will be meaningful to us and I hope it'll... I, I don't know, I just, I'm curious why he wants to talk about this. So it's going to be good hearing what he has to say and what he shows you. So I'd like to do this like something like a discussion. I'll, I'll be throwing some ideas out there. We'll be looking at a couple of passages. And I also want to hear your thoughts and your experiences. So hopefully this can just be a continuation of the Midrash. This can just be a continuation of our, uh, of our time studying His Word together. Um, yeah, and I, I was really excited about this too because I want to grow in my relationship with the Master. Like I, I want to hear His voice more often. And I want to hear His voice more clearly. And so I, my heart kind of thrilled to, to look at some of these passages together because I, I, I'm taking this as an invitation from him, that this is an area where, where he's inviting me to grow in with him and, uh, and us as a community. Um, there were, and some, some of this is also going to relate to kind of like, you know, our community is in something of a transitory time. We have been going through some changes and we're still, we're still feeling those out and we're, 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 we're talking through some things, right? And, and I think this will, be, uh, this will be a relevant topic to us as a community also. Um, I think I, I, I'm, I'm going to give you um, three short prefacatory thoughts before we look at a couple passages together. Uh, the first one was something I've, I felt Yeshua speaking to me um, and, and the function that I'm to have in our community in the last year, I, I felt him saying something to me similar to what Moses said to Pharaoh when he said, let my people go. And I think I've shared this with you, but I, I've been sensing from Yeshua that like, there are areas where I can let go of us as a community because we are his community. Um, there, are, there are areas where maybe I've had more control than what's been healthy or maybe it just hasn't been good for me or I don't know. But I feel like Yeshua wants to have a bigger place in our community. He wants to not just be the head of this body theoretically, something that we give lip service to, but I, I think there's more to seeing him be the head of our body functionally. So when we gather as a body, what does it mean that Yeshua is the head? What does that actually look like? And uh, that's, that's something I've, I've sensed from him. Um, I, I felt like something related that he's being saying to me is that he wants me to get out of the way. And... Uh, what does that mean? Does that mean I leave our community? Of course not. Does that mean I just sit there like a bump on a log and don't say anything? Uh, of course not. But, but the way we've gathered as a community at times, I've, I've had such a front and center role that I think there, it's, it's eclipsed like the functioning of the body sometimes. Or I think sometimes it hasn't given this, the room for the ru- 
excuse me, the ruach to move, that, uh, that, that could happen. So, I mean, those are just a couple of things he said to me personally. And I'm, I'm wanting to feel that out in my life and feel that out with you as a community as, we're, as we do life together, as we continue to talk about, you know, so, some of these things. Um, but, but I believe that, uh, that these things that he's been saying to me, they tie into this question of what does that look like for us, each of us to have a relationship with Yeshua, and then when we gather, we share that with each other. We share what we're hearing from Him. We, we, we share the revelation that each of us are, are receiving from Him. Uh, some, some things along those lines. And so, you know, with Yeshua saying some things to me, as a leader in our community, like, let my people go or get out of the way, that doesn't mean, like, like I mentioned, it doesn't mean like I'm giving up leading because I believe there's a gift there, there's a gifting from his spirit that I have to contribute there's a role that I have to play and you know like in, in Hebrews thirteen seventeen, for instance it says you know like you know obey your leaders submit to them they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account so you know it's assumed if, if a community is going to be uh, truly Torah based if it is going to do things in harmony with the Father's word of course you're going to have leaders that's assumed right and so yeah like I, I, I do play that role along with others in our congregation so that's not going to change but but what does that look like yeah um, another thing that we've been discussing as a congregation is some like this dream that the master has given me for this city to see uh, groups of disciples gathering in homes on like my dream is on every street in the city in every apartment building you know like just beginning to go into the city and, and reach neighborhoods reach social networks that we here in this gym couldn't necessarily do on our own or only in this location hey um, of course that what that means is we may see groups that are part of this family gathering in homes and I'm not going to be at all of those groups so then what do we do what do those groups do if if I'm not there as a teacher or a quote leader or whatever so I think that, that this is another area where this discussion is um, looking at some of these scriptures will be very relevant um, there were, there were two, um, here's, the, here's the third prefacatory thought. Um, I mentioned how our congregation is in something of a transition. We're, we're going through some changes. And I thought of two analogies in scripture um, that, that, that describe that. Um, one of them is the picture of us as an organism. Have you ever noticed that? Organisms don't stay the same. They change over time. Uh, a baby, for instance. A baby starts as that tiny little cell in, in, in a woman's uterus. But it doesn't stay that way, does it? it? It grows and it forms and it develops facial features and it has a heart that beats and then it emerges and, uh, and, uh, fr from the womb and that umbilical cord is severed and, uh, and the baby grows. I, I look at Tirza and I look at this organism in my of my daughter. <laughs> I guess I could call her an organism. That feels kind of weird to say that. It feels kind of biologically technical. But, but like she's not going to stay the same. She's going to get bigger. Her, 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 her faculties are, are going to develop. Eh? And we're a body. And so I, I believe that just like people grow. We're going to grow over time. We're going to change some over time. Or what would be another example? Um, a plant. A plant is an organism and it starts as a seed and then it goes into these different phases where it gets bigger. Uh, Yeshua talked about that. It starts as a seed and then it grows up as a plant and then it produces a crop. Or, um, or um, different, um, what would be another? Metamorphosis. Metamorphosis, yes. That would be another great example. The caterpillar doesn't stay a caterpillar. He, he goes into his cocoon and what does he emerge as? Butterfly. A butterfly, a metamorphosis. 
man, why did Yeshua create caterpillars, eh? What was he trying to, what was he trying to teach us from that whole, that whole picture? So anyway, all that to say that just like plants or caterpillars or babies grow and develop over time, we're a community. So we are, we're going to grow. We're going to develop. And uh, I'm excited about that. It's like we, we're going to continue to come into our own. And uh, any of you guys remember being adolescents? When you start hitting adolescence, it's like your body starts changing. You just feel like you're going crazy in some ways. And it's like, it's kind of, man, it's like, it's a little disruptive, eh? I believe that happens in communities too sometimes. You hit adolescence and things just begin to change. You're like, what's wrong with me? And it's not a, it's, yeah, menopause too, sure, sure. But it's not a question of what's wrong with me. It's a question of what's right with me. How am I changing? This is fantastic. But it's also kind of crazy sometimes. Anyway, um, those were a couple of pictures. Another picture I thought of relating to community is where Shaul said, um, he, he wrote this in a letter to um, a community of disciples in Corinth, the city of Corinth. And he said, you know, I came in like a master builder, like an architect, and I laid the foundation, and now other people are building on that foundation. So he said, we as a community are like a construction project. And if you go to a construction site, something you'll notice is it doesn't stay the same. They don't dig the hole forever. They don't pour the concrete for the foundation forever. They don't frame the building forever. It's, in, ugh, it's incredible, actually, how fast buildings take shape right now, like on a commercial site, for instance. It's just, you, you drive past, and it looks like they're just clearing the ground, and then a couple weeks later, there's the, there's the business, and it's, it's, um, it's in business. Yeah. But anyway, I think that's another picture of community. So I, I, look at, I look at where we've come from as a community, and I feel like it's been a foundation-laying time. You know, uh, we, we, have, we have gone through the Gospels and through the writings of uh, the epistles of Yeshua's apostles. Um, that almost sounded like rap. But anyway, um, you know, we've gone, we've gone through the Torah several times, and I feel like we've laid a deep foundation. You know, I've tackled a lot of... A lot of um, Questions, a lot of ideas, a lot of popular practices, and I've said, this is the way people think. This is the way a lot of people do it. But is this scriptural? Is this the way Yeshua did it? Is this the way it was done in um, the early movement, in the early church? And, you know, we, 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 we've been laying a foundation, and I'm really excited to see where we go as a community now. Because I, I feel like we're in something of a new, con- new phase in the, in the construction of this building. So that was the, uh, that was the third prefatory thought I wanted to, uh, wanted to, share with you just this concept of transition, of growth, of building. And uh, I, I feel that this, these passages that we're going to look like about hearing Yeshua's voice are going to be really relevant to us. Uh, do any of you guys have any thoughts or questions or experiences you wanted to share about, about any of those, those first three thoughts? Like, you know, what Yeshua has spoken to me personally about getting out of the way, um, about, you know, me not being at some groups that gather in homes that hopefully we'll see we'll see pop up around the city and then also about transition organisms construction projects that's good I like what you're saying about in community we get to die and we get to get smaller because if we're just out there on our own it's, it's hard you know there's no one to grind against you and to bump into you and Yeshua can't use people as the cross in your life you know in, in my life totally agree mm. Actually, I'll, I'll share with you something funny. I don't know if this is symbolic or not, but I'll share with you something funny. So you know how we were in Saskatoon this week. So I have some friends that, um, that go to, uh, they do some Brazilian jiu-jitsu wrestling like I do down in Saskatoon. So I had a free evening, so I said, you know, I need to be physically active. I need to get out. So I called up a friend, and I went to the club where he trains. 
And so I did some wrestling, and I wrestled with a guy named Elmer Waterhen. And uh, he already has kids and grandkids. And he's had over 50, um, 50 mis- mixed martial arts um, matches. So he's, he knows his stuff. And he's kind of an interesting guy. He has a mohawk, and it's like a blaze orange kind of colored. You don't see a lot of grandpas with mohawks with blaze orange, you know, but, but he has one. And um, he, he was... Um, he's... Um, he, he goes pretty hard, and he isn't as gentle as the guys that I've trained with. So anyway, at one point, I got my neck cranked pretty badly. And uh, so, and I felt it right away. Have you ever had like your neck cranked through and your neck gets pulled, and you can just feel that in your back, and you're like, I am not going to be mobile in the morning. And so I went home, and sure enough, I was like, I'm done. I got my neck pulled. I'm done. So anyway, sure enough, we, I went, went back to my mom's place, and in the morning, like my whole upper back was just on fire. My neck was totally stiff. And like, I couldn't move, right? Genevieve was laughing at me. Um, I, I got up and I was like, walking around like this. I was like, hi Genevieve, how are you today? You know, kind of like that. And it's like, trying to talk with her while we're driving and I just have to look over at her like that, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh man. Anyway, but I had a really stiff neck, so I, I don't know if that was symbolic or not. <laughs> Being, being stiff-necked. I know I had a couple of people on Facebook that made some wise cracks about being stiff-necked and what the Bible had to say about being stiff-necked. Right. <laughs> hey, um, the first scripture I wanted to uh, look at with you is um, it's, it's a passage that predicted the, the new covenant that came about when Yeshua's blood was shed. And... Um, that new covenant that he offered, you know, when he offered his disciples the cup, and he said, "This cup is the, the new covenant in my blood." That kind of thing. It was, um, it was, it was predicted by one of the prophets of Israel, uh, Jeremiah. In Hebrew, his name is pronounced Yirmiyahu. Can we all say Yirmiyahu? Yirmiyahu. Yeah, and it's in uh, chapter thirty-one of his book, verses thirty-one to thirty-four. And uh, I'll just, I'll, I'll read a little bit of it to you. And uh, I, I want you to really listen to it and tell me what you're hearing from this. Because I, I believe that there are a couple of things that, that the Father would like to speak to us uh, through this. It says, um, Yahweh says, The time is coming when I will make a new covenant, a Brit Chadesha, with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the old covenant that I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt. Although I was like a husband to them, they did not keep that covenant. The new covenant that I will make with the people of Israel will be this. I will put my law, my Torah, within them and write it on their hearts. I will be their God, their Elohim, and they will be my people. None of them will have to teach a neighbor to know Yahweh, because all will know me, from the least to the greatest. I will forgive their sins, and I will no longer remember their wrongs. I, Yahweh, have spoken. What what jumps out at you from that passage? Is there anything that, that really speaks to your heart? That's exciting. Yeah. No, th- those were um those were some of the things that jumped out at me that I could say, but basically you said them, which is fantastic because it's the spirit teaching us. Yeah. But like that, that whole concept, I'll just I'll, I'll explain something here. When it talks about a covenant, the Hebrew word for covenant is breed, if you can say breed. And then if you want to say like a new covenant, it's called the Brit 
Chadesha. You say Chadesha? Yeah. And Chadesha can mean brand spanking new, never seen before. Like sometimes in Israel, if they have some new product, it'll say Chadash. The way in, in, you know, in Canada they would say new, or something like that. But then also Chadasha can mean renewed. So it carries both, both senses, a, a new covenant, and also a, a, you could understand that as a renewal. There's a renewal, a covenantal renewal going on there. Anyway, but, um, okay, when we talk about a relationship in the Western world, it often has a different meaning than a relationship in the ancient Middle East. And th- this is huge, because basically when you talk about a covenant in the scriptures, that means a relationship. Right? So where we talk about a relationship in the, in, in the Western world, a couple thousand years ago in the Middle East, they would have talked about a covenant. But it means the same thing. You know, often in the Western world, a relationship, we kind of use that word loosely. Like that could be a one-night stand, that could be a fling, um, that could be something very shallow or uncommitted. But in the ancient Middle East, this concept of... And sometimes when, you know, when we talk about how it's all... It's not about religion, it's about having a relationship with God. People can get the impression, oh, you know... That's not a very deep thing. That's not necessarily serious. You know, that's just maybe a little thing on the side. But um, when 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 God talks about the kind of relationship that He offers to us, He usually uses the word covenant. And if you if you look at like what a covenant meant to people back then, the heart of it was commitment. Like a covenant is a committed relationship. It's something where. Regardless of how you're feeling, regardless of external circumstances, regardless of even change that happens in, in one or both parties, it's still a committed relationship. And so when, he, when, when, when our Creator talks about there, how there's this time coming when He's going to offer this new covenant to the people of Israel, He's talking about a relationship with Him, an experience of Him that the people of Israel hadn't had in that way up to that point, eh? And uh, you, you, you all pointed out several, um, several distinctives or, or experiences in that. Like Hannah, you mentioned uh, forgiveness. You know, just experiencing forgiveness from Him. Um, uh, knowing Him. Uh, Sharon mentioned uh, a couple things like that. And, and the one that I wanted to really just look at with you more deeply for a moment is this uh, distinctive of knowing Him. Yeah, Wayne, you had mentioned that also. Like that, that's exciting. When someone enters into a relationship with the Creator through, uh, through believing in Yeshua, they, it's like they experience His Spirit and they know Him. They know Him individually. They know Him personally. Like they're able to say, you're my God, my Elohim, and I, I'm yours. You know? And, and uh, that's, that's, that thrills my heart. And it's, it, it's like, it's something where each of us knows Him in a way that it's not even like you have to have someone else teach you and say, this is what He's saying, or this is what you need to know about Him, because you have that personal contact with Him. Uh, you, you know Him individually. Uh, that's, that's exciting. And, and, and like you mentioned, Wayne, that's something that the people of Israel up to that point, I don't think they had in the same way. They often more had a, a prophet or a set of prophets that would, that would communicate the word on that level. Eh? So, anyway, that's... that's I, I don't know, like, I'm, I, I wonder, like, if you were to hear the prophet Jeremiah just saying those words on Yahweh's behalf for the first time, I, I wonder what kind of emotion would be in his voice. I just, I hear, I hear excitement, I hear uh, anticipation, I just hear the Creator, like, looking forward to offering this kind of relationship to, uh, to us as individuals and, and to us as a community. Um, 
when Jeremiah prophesied, let's say that Yeshua um, was around today, is around today, and he's teaching in Jerusalem and he's like in his early 30s. Basically, if that was the time frame, then Jeremiah would have been prophesying this in the, the 1500s roughly. Um, he prophesied around 500 years before Yeshua came. So if you can just imagine Jeremiah prophesying this in the 1500s, and then Yeshua coming in our generation, that would be the time frame. So anyway, Yeshua did come, and I want to look, at, look with you at a couple things that Yeshua said about the relationship with him that, uh, that we have, and that's available to every person if, if, the, if they're interested. Um, in... Well, we'll look at something that Yeshua said in the Gospel of John. So these were the memoirs of one of Yeshua's closest disciples. His name was Yochanan. And uh, this, story, this story is Yeshua was in Jerusalem. It begins in chapter 9 of, of the Gospel of John. Yeshua was in Jerusalem and he healed a guy that was blind from birth, but he did it on Shabbat. And then he told the guy to carry his, his pallet or his mat that he was lying on, carry it home. And that got that guy in hot water with religious authorities because you're not supposed to carry anything on Shabbat. Um, that got Yeshua in, in hot water with religious authorities also. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that was the story, unless that was a previous one. But anyway, um, this, guy, this guy, Yeshua, healed his eyes and he became a believer in Yeshua. And that got him in hot water with religious authorities because they said, if anyone becomes a disciple of Yeshua, that Yeshua guy from Nazareth, then... They get kicked out of the synagogue. We're, we're excommunicating them. They're out of our club, basically. You could say they're harem or they're anathema, depending on whether you're Orthodox Jewish or Catholic, in today's culture. But that's basically what they said. And so this guy, Yeshua heals him, and he becomes a believer. And he gets kicked out of the synagogue, and Yeshua comes to him and has a little discussion, in which he says, I came to open the eyes of the blind. And there were some Pharisees standing there, at the end of John chapter 9, and they say, what? We're not blind, are we? And then Yeshua begins to talk about, uh, about teachers, true and false teachers. And uh, he begins to talk about like spiritual leaders. And um, he, start, he begins to talk about the relationship that his disciples have with him. And so that's kind of the context for his words. And I'll, I'll read you a short passage where he describes the relationship that each of us as disciples have with him. And, uh, and that's available to anyone who wants that kind of relationship. In John chapter 10, verse 27. He says, My sheep hear my voice. In, in Hebrew, that would be like, My sheep shema to my voice. Hearing, listening, right? And I know them, and they follow me. And I give chaye olam, eternal life to them. And they will never perish. That has the idea of like, they'll never be lost. They'll never be lost. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who's given them to me, is greater than all. In Hebrew, that has the idea of he's bigger than he's bigger than everybody, bigger than anybody. Gadol, and no one's able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Echad. So that that's something that Yeshua said that describes the relationship that each of us has with Him. And uh, did you notice that he, the first thing he says about the relationship that we have with Him is that we shema to Him. We. Uh, we, we hear his voice. We have that level of relationship with him. Uh, was that only while he was around on planet Earth? Was that only for the first generation of disciples? Or maybe it's still for people today, hey? I believe it's still for people today. We'll look at another passage that talks about that in a minute. But um, notice, the, notice the outcome 
of, of us having that relationship with Him where we're shamoing to His voice. He says, I know them. Did you notice He didn't say, they know me. He said, I know them. Remember that story about the, the ten virgins. What did he say? What, what did the bridegroom say to the five who didn't have enough oil and they arrived late to the wedding party because they were out buying more oil? He said, I don't know you. So, it says, they know... They know. Yes, Tirza? That's right. And then the bridegroom said, I don't know you. That's the story we told last night. Hey, Tirza? And you remember it. That's so fantastic that you remember that story. Good. Yeah. So he says... He says, I know them and they follow me. So when each of us as disciples are hearing Yeshua's voice, what's the result? We're all following him. We're all going in the same direction. And then he says, and I give eternal life to them. So you know, those times in life when our hearts feel dead or when we, when, when people in the city that are just spiritually dead and they're empty inside, what's the good news? The good news is Yeshua's alive. And, and we can hear His voice. We can have that level of relationship with Him. And He will bring our hearts to life. He'll fill us with that life. So that's the, that's the third result. And then what's the fourth result, He says? They'll never perish. They'll never be lost. So it's like if someone has a relationship with Yeshua, where they're hearing His voice personally, their person is not going to be lost. Satan is not going to take them out. They are not going to fall away. No one's going to be able to snatch them out of Yeshua's hand. No one's going to take them away from the Master. So those, those are the results that he says. And I, I, think, I think this is very relevant to us as a community because there are warnings. Um, Paul wrote to Timothy and he said, Watch out. In the Akhrit Hayamim, in the end of days, there is going to be a proliferation of demonic doctrines. Like teachings inspired from evil spirits that are designed to deceive people, pull the wool over their eyes, hoodwink them, um, get them on the wrong track. And you know, what did Yeshua also? He warned his disciples, he said, watch out, you know, before I come back, there's going to be a proliferation of false teachers and false prophets. And they are going to lead a lot of people astray. And I know we've been talking about that as a community. It's something that, that many people in our group, they're on the alert against that. They say, we don't want to be deceived. You know, we don't want to fall for false teaching. We don't want to be led astray. And I think that's a very, I think that's a very, very wise. That's a wise concern because it's based on scriptural warnings. Hey, but what I hear Yeshua saying here is, this is the answer. This is this is the safety that He offers each of us. That relationship with Him, where every one of us are hearing His voice. Because if you are, if you personally know Yeshua and He knows you, if you are, if you are listening to His voice for yourself you are going to automatically be turned off to that demonic voice that might come through a, a false prophet or a false teacher or some demonically inspired teaching or, or weird stuff. And, and you know what? It is out there. Um, it's out there in the Christian world. It is out there in the Messianic world. Get on the internet and Google Messianic or Hebrew roots and you will have a fantastic example of false teaching and weird doctrines and demonic stuff. Really? And some of it passes in the name of Messianic or Hebrew roots, eh? Sometimes there are demonically inspired teachers that wear tallits. And they use Hebrew words. It's like wolves dressed in sheep's clothing, wool tallits, with wool tzitzit, sheep's clothing. Yeah, it's out there, right? And so, anyway, I, I know that we've been talking about that, and I felt, I just, I feel Yeshua saying to us, 
listen to my voice and you're going to be okay. And no one's going to snatch you out of my hand. No. I think that's probably the, the safest place that we can be from deception is when we're cultivating that relationship with the man who said, I am the truth. And then when each of us has the relationship and we gather as a community, what is that going to look like? Wow, I'm excited about that. I guess we'll, we'll continue to the, discover that together. Shalom, I'm Izzy Avraham, and thank you for joining me for this talk. I delivered these messages live during the years I was leading a congregation. They're now hosted by my Hebrew school, Holy Language Institute, at holylanguage.com. If you're interested in the talks I've done since then, or if you'd just like to say thank you for these teachings, become a member at holylanguage.com.